Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Comics Deserve Better podcast. Do you feel that comics deserve better? We do, too. And I'm glad that you've come to talk to us or listen to us talk about it today. And then you can talk to us later via email or via social media. So we are here to talk about indie comics. And with me, as always, uh, Carrie. Hello. (laughs) Darcy. Hello. And Richard. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all for joining me to talk about how comics deserve better on this wonderful podcast. Well, hello there. I, I love didn't it. See you. <laughs> that, no one knows that except for us because that that was unfortunately. I know. I had to edit it out. Yeah. The the we. I had a very creepy uh, intro a few weeks ago. Just... We, we 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 all had to go to comics. Deserve better human resources about it. There was yeah. The whole thing. I was uh, fine oh. a little bit, uh, but now I'm back. Yay! Yes. All right. So we have a good episode today. Um, unfortunately no diy corner because the one thing i found i wanted to talk about turns out it's ending an hour before our episode goes live so unfortunately that doesn't work that way so i do have some quick news if you all don't mind um vault comics uh, is one of, one of my favorite comic book companies I've, i'm sure you guys all enjoyed them as well um who've been releasing some really good stuff like these savage shores heathen and all that kind of fun stuff um they are now getting new investors. Uh, one of the issues that they've been having is been getting um, kind of issues out on a regular basis, and that is a money issue. So they're now getting new new investors to kind of input, put money into the into uh, the company so they can grow and uh, kind of keep everything on schedule and 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 basically increase their IPs and make them uh, bigger IPs all over the place. So these partners. You know, include uh, a uh, healthcare entrepreneur, Rick Matros, a global talent agency, UTA, um, the and Black Squirrel Partners. Uh, Black Squirrel Partners is actually representing the hard rock band, which I always thought they were a metal band, but apparently they're hard rock now, uh, of Metallica, which is interesting because that kind of comes out of nowhere. <laughs> That's pretty fucking sick, though. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So we might be getting a Metallica comic book in a few, in a few months or a year or so. But yeah, um, he's in Barbaric, uh, Vagrant Queen, which was on sci-fi for a little bit. Unfortunately, I don't think he did too well in there, but um, it was an excellent comic. Um, and I unfortunately did not get to catch the show, and apparently a lot of people didn't catch the show either. So, But, uh, but yeah, uh, lots of good IP. So uh, hopefully they will thrive under this new investment. I look forward to Law- Lars Ulrich year one. <laughs> yes. Where did he get those shorts? That's all we want to know. <laughs> okay. All right. So I guess we're going to jump into our spotlights then right now. Um, who wants to go first? Darcy, you haven't been with us in two weeks. Why don't you go first? Okay. Um, I want to talk about an upcoming, upcoming in several months, but hey, why not now? Because why not uh so my aunt is a monster by Romina Yee who I've talked about several times I really like Romina's books yes um so uh this comes out in September of this year so September 13th I believe it's a random house graphic novel um and it is about a girl named Sophia she's 
blind. She really loves audiobooks. That's kind of like how she gets her uh, like main enjoyment. She like lives her life through like these audiobook adventures. But she ends up going to, um, she kind of gets sent to her aunt, who is this really famous like lady adventurer uh, and also a monster kind of like um the way she's drawn is like this goat monster kind of looking thing um and she ends up going like an adventure she's like um she's like former most famous lady adventurer like maybe she isn't now um but she used to be like the classic most famous lady adventurer in the world um and her name is lady whimsy um and she has to like go out and uh uh with her aunt and confront lady whimsy's uh rival adventurer and like she's they've got to have this adventure together and she's uh branching out safia is uh from her audiobook adventures to like a real life adventure and they meet all these friends and all these interesting people uh ramina's put out um via twitter and on her own website like a couple of like character sheets that you can see and her characters are all really interesting looking um as always like if you read seance tea party or any of her books um you'll know that like her characters are always really interesting and dynamic looking so it looks like it's going to be a really cool like middle grade fantasy um uh book so i'm i i always expect good things from ramina um and look forward to it yeah it looks really cool that's awesome i like the artwork of course mm-hmm. um <laughs> yeah for what, what she's shown so far very cool um you know i just got sam's tea party on a humble bundle so Hmm, really yeah it was on that the uh the the like the women strong women in in uh fiction that makes sense that makes a lot of sense i think it's also on comiXology unlimited right now though i'm not 100 percent sure i don't quote me on that shit's changed obviously for i have no excuse then yeah previous for 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 previously discussed reasons things have changed there so i don't know where everything is stands right now but i think it might be on comiXology unlimited regardless um i always always support and recommend ramina stuff absolutely i i'm digging the uh the pineapple dress that's in the character yes it's a great dress (laughs) um no, I was just going to say, my aunt is a monster sounds awesome, but Seance Tea Party might be a top title all time. Like, I, <laughs> like I, I'm just, you, you tell me that's the name of something and I'm in. Movie, TV yes. show, comic book. I'm like, oh yeah, no, I want to know what's going on over there. It would make a great cartoon, just like mm-hmm. a great little, I, you know, somebody should adapt it. Or not, you know, if she doesn't want to, but someone, it, it would make it would make a great little cartoon movie. As someone who's tried to have seances before, I've never combined them with tea parties, but now I'm definitely going to try. <laughs> that sounds fun. As someone who's tried to have tea parties before, and uh, <laughs> 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 no, oh my god, the two of you should get married. Oh, you yeah. <laughs> girls have goodies, yeah. as we discussed yesterday or last week <laughs> when it was boys' night. So, <laughs> listen to last week's episode if you don't get that reference. Um, all right, uh, no, no, it looks really cool, and um, I'll, yeah, this actually looks a lot like a lot of fun. Now, you probably said this, but is is, is the main character is she blind? Yes. 
she is okay was, yeah I, yeah okay i know that in the imagery I, i'm sorry i missed that when you, when you said that earlier uh okay i probably braced it real fast i spoke really fast she reminds me of uh just her character design reminds me of uh steven's friend slash girlfriend in steven universe yes i um, see that I, her name's just slipping my mind at the moment connie connie <laughs> yes cool well that is really yeah, cool that's awesome so since carrie also has a spotlight that about a book that has not come out yet i think that uh, you should go next okay so um for those of you who don't know this about me i'm sort of trash because i love reality television um <laughs> I am a sucker for that shit. It's, I have favorites on different shows, but um, I have not been a fan of keeping up with the Kardashians and I'm bringing this up for a reason. So my book is called Amelia Airwood, Basic Witch by Emily Hampshire, Elliot Rahal, Kristen Goodsnick, and Ames Liu. This comes out in August. And basically, Amelia is from a super privileged, super wealthy witch family, a la the Kardashians. I'm not saying they're witches, but you know, like that level of <laughs> like celebrity. And okay. she, she sucks at being a witch. She's just not into it. She doesn't want to like take, like take over the family business of being a witch. She wants to just like read books and chill and hang out with her animals and like be cute and she doesn't want to follow in like the family footsteps so basically this is like uh godfather for witches yeah but it's and she's also, michael <laughs> yeah and it's also like she's um their lives because of their celebrity they get filmed so she's like okay. on a really reality television show. And so it's kind of like she watches her own failings at being a witch. And it's just kind of like her adventures through that of just being a kid and trying to navigate between being part of like, I want to say she's probably like the, um, the Kendall Jenner of the Kardashians, where you don't really hear a lot about Kendall except for who she's dating. Because all the other sisters took up over the pop, uh, the pop reality spectrum. So I feel like that's what Amelia is. And actually, um, Emily Hampshire, if you're familiar with the name, she is from the show Shit's Creek. So, um, it's, oh yes, yeah. I saw, I saw like uh, ads or an article about this book. Yeah, yeah. So it, I saw the same article. It this, it looks really cute. I really dug the art. The coloring looks great. Um, I'm probably not doing it. Uh, huge uh you know thing service. yes thank you for filling in my words um i'm not doing it like a great service of the way i'm explaining it but it looks really cute and i'm all for it so i was excited to to talk about it today awesome yeah it's witchy i'm i'm sure that it'll be pretty cool that sounds fun yeah yeah that's a fun little take on it um and also, Ellie Rahal, I mean, he, there was a comic that he did a few years ago called Hot Lunch Special, which was really good. And then Kristen Gutsnack, she does the Making Friends series. Um, and so, like, there's some good comic book credit in that, in that creative team. At least I know of. So, it's, uh, it, yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a pretty good comic. Nice. And really quick, I'm all about people, especially, like, women celebrities using their names and their star power to help 
create things like Amelia Clark had, um, what was it? It's called Mother or Mom. Mother of Madness, yeah. Uh, yeah, like the... that comic book. Um, like Florence Pugh helped back um, a fictional, you know, novel that just came out too, not too recently. So like, um, it's just kind of cool that these women are getting involved in other collaborative projects and I'm all for it. I'm all for supporting people who help other artists get their projects off the ground. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and there's a lunchbox and stickers. <sighs> you so. got me for fucking merch, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's that's like automatic. It looks really cool. <laughs> I feel like if you're in, into any uh, anything that's gonna be considered nerdy, like comics, movies, video games, they know built in that you're a sucker for merch because mm-hmm. they get me every time. <laughs> Absolutely. Like when they when they say that like comic books is a you know like a 1.2 billion dollar industry, it's probably because of all like the t-shirts and, and like, yeah, no. and you can get me on a shirt, you can get uh-huh. me on a good figure, yeah. like whatever, stickers, pins. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the convention budget. Yeah. It's not to pick mm-hmm. up books, it's to fucking go to shirt booths yeah. and to go find cool merch. That's all it is. Ooh. You have a pin set for five dollars. That's gonna get that. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Uh, yeah, but okay. Well, um, I think I might keep my older tradition of going last. So, Richard, if you want to go next. Oh, absolutely. I guess uh, I'm welcome every welcoming everybody to the uh, final installment of uh, Chicken Devil Theater. Yeah, um, <laughs> we're covering issue four by uh, Brian Busolato, Hayden Sherman, and Hassan Asmane and How. And uh, just to recap, uh, you know, this is a very just bombastic book, action everywhere. But the whole premise is uh, Mitchell is a like a, a chicken a chicken sandwich magnate. He started off with just a little uh, food truck and he's opened up a few restaurants all around Los Angeles. His uh, his uh, co uh, his partner in the business basically gets into it large with like Russian mobsters. They go to blow him up on a boat, but blow up Mitchell's family. And then Mitchell just kind of goes on a revenge spree against the Russian mob. And that's the premise of the book. But what we find out at the end of issue three is that Mitchell's family is not dead. As a matter of fact, they got off the boat and watched it explode. And the reason why they never came home is because since they watched the boat explode, they thought their uh, father and husband put them on a boat to murder them. Oh, shit. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> But at this point, Mitchell has the whole Russian mob like after him. So basically in this final installment, uh, the cops see the shootout of all the other Russians that he's murdered. And he knows that the Russians are coming for him. So he's going to hit them before they hit him. But he's hapless. And... uh, (laughs) Basically, he slides through a uh, glass pane pane door, like right at the feet of the the Russian mobsters. After he only kills like one of them, but basically, he's so sloppy and so incompetent that the police are hip to him, and the police show up in chicken costumes and basically take out the rest of the Russian mob because they're like, <laughs> "We like what you're doing. You're too incompetent to do it." And you know. Our titles and our jobs will allow us to take out these Russian mobsters, so we're going to help you. And that's basically the end of our book and the end of our status quo for a minute. I, the way that it ends, it looks like it's a, 
you know, gearing up to, towards a sequel, but it's just a lot of blood, just a lot of craziness. Like I said, it's a Michael Bay film in comic book form. If that's your bag, you're going to love it. Or if you just want some dumb fun, you're going to love it as well. <laughs> that's awesome. Wow, that actually sounds really cool. I mean, like, I know <laughs> yeah, no, no, like it's but... a nice little twist at the end. Like, I didn't see it coming. And I was just like, okay, yeah, this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty cool. So, and just have to, before I get off of this, the, the the art by uh, Hayden Sherman it's it's just beautiful art and he the way he draws people's faces they're so emotional so evocative even when they're corpses like you could see the shock in someone's eyes right before they got you know unexpectedly shot or something so it's just a great great work on the art you know great work on the book overall it's very vibrant for as violent as it, as it seems yes it's, it's very- <laughs> Very but I feel like that's kind of our bag. Every time something's like ultraviolet, if you temper it with like good colors, <laughs> yeah. or, you know, poppy colors, like we're in. Exactly. Or like, or very like anime-esque, like art, you know, like it just kind of softens the blow a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cool. Okay. Well, I guess it's my turn now. Um, I'm actually... For the first time, surprisingly, I'm bringing a an Asagi Yojimbo book to uh, our spotlight. So this is Asagi Yojimbo number 27 of the current series that's being released by IDW, by Stan Sakai, of course, and Hi-Fi Color is doing the coloring. This is the, the first series ever that's uh, been in color the first, you know, through its first publishing. And, oh, nice. Uh, so they're, so the, um, but IDW is going through the backlog and slowly going through and re-releasing it in in color too so that's kind of cool as well so if you like it more in color here you go and the colors are great um and it all um so if you're not familiar with Usagi Yujimbo uh it is uh about a samurai rabbit in an anthropomorphic kind of feudal Japan um he is a a a samurai without a master or a ronin if you will uh, his his master had um, died in, in a in a war that he was sworn to protect, and and now he walks the land, kind of making up for not being able to save his his master, trying to help do good deeds throughout the the towns that he goes to. Uh, Usagi, the the series has been going on for over forty years, no, almost forty years. I think eighty six or eighty seven is when it started. Um, and um, you might also, if you're a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan, uh, he was fan, he or he is friends with the creators of, of that comic, and so there has been crossovers in both the cartoons as well as the comics of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, in case the name Usagi Yujimbo sounds familiar and you're wondering why. Um, this is a comic, this is kind of like, in my personal opinion, like a, a indie, com- indie comic staple, where if you're into indie comics, you should know a little bit about Usagi Ujimbo and what's great about it also is that if you don't know a lot about the of the character or about the series, every story arc is a jumping on point. There, Stan Sakai does such a good job like kind of giving you what you need for that particular story so that you're able to just jump on and read it and enjoy it and like you're not, you're, you know, you, you might have characters from the past 40 years show up but it's not weird or awkward if you've never have heard of them before um it's um you know like he does a really good job kind of giving you what you need to know in order to enjoy the story 
Um, and so um, this particular uh, issue is a one shot. So um, recently, Usagi has met his cousin, uh, Yukichi, who's also a samurai, who's become his companion, which is nice because it gives him somebody to, to kind of talk and give exposition off of. Um, so they, you know, they, they kind of tell the, that's how they tell the story most of the time is between their conversations as they're traveling around with each other. Um, and this particular story is about, um, they come up near a town and they see a woman praying next to a shrine on, in a tree and they're wondering kind of what's going on. This old man tells them that um, that shrine was for a, an, a person named Midori who was slain on her way to uh, a temple and she had become pregnant uh, with the um, with her master's uh, baby and she was and then basically the master had her killed and um, because because they didn't want that kind of getting spread out spread around that that uh, she he was impregnated her and so and it leaves like an overreaction yeah <laughs> So it leaves them more stuff where the assassins actually blackmailed the merchant after they killed Dory and the pressure, um, the, basically he gives up most of his business and then uh, as he's already in deep death to avoid scandal, he kills his wife, son, and himself. Okay. So it's a very dark story about this. And so, there's, so this woman who's praying there, uh, it turns out is uh, people who pray there are, are, are people who are in the same situation as, as uh, Midori was. And so they follow her to the village. Um, they kind of meet up with her. Um, or right before they meet up with her, um, three um, assassins uh, basically accost her. And Usagi and Yukichi kind of come in and save the day and take care of the, uh, of the assassins. And then um, they walk her back to the village uh, where they find out that one, that she once again is, is pregnant from her, her master who she works for a merchant named Yamada, and he's out of town. Um, and his wife, uh, his wife um, had told her to go out into the, you know, basically to go out and do a delivery out in the woods. Um, and so she's coming back to that. And so Usagi and Yukichi are kind of like, oh, the, you know, how convenient that the husband's out of. Uh, of town when this when this assassination is going to come out, a good alibi for that for the husband. So they follow back. Um, and they kind of watch the place, um, and they they do you want me do you mind do you mind spoilers? Should I give spoilers right now? Can I go through Please the whole do. Thing? Yes, sir. Okay, so they, um, so 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 spoiler warning here. But even though it's a one shot, pick it up, pick up any other usable books as well. They're all pretty excellent. And so once again, the um, the 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 mother uh, she leaves on an errand, and then the daughter's closing up the up the store. As she's closing up the store, more assassins follow follow her to kill her again. And so then once again, Usagi and Kichi kind of take care of, of business, and um, they find out that the husband just returned from out of town. So they go to to uh, to confront the husband and say like why are you sending all these assassins to kill this to kill Midori or to kill uh the um this lady I forget her name is um I just oh she uh Suzuye is the name of the of the girl and uh 
and find out that it wasn't the husband. It was actually the wife. She uh, found out about her pregnancy and has been trying to kill her ever since. So she was the one who yeah. sent her out. <laughs> and so after you find that out, they're going to go find the wife. The wife is out running an errand. Um, she sees someone praying at that tree. She's like, oh, that's Shizuye, you know, um, praying at Midori's shrine. And she goes, oh, well, I can't rely on my assassins. I'm going to kill her myself. So she pulls out a knife. And as she goes to attack, the, 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 the person praying turns around and it's actually Midori, the, the original ghost. And she's all like demonic and, and scary looking. And she attacks the, the, uh, the wife and, and kills her. Oh, wow. And so, and then, so, um, of course, Isagi and Yukichi don't know about this. And they meet the same old man who told the original story. And it turns out the old man, too, uh, was a ghost. And so he's probably the merchant that uh, that lost everything when he decided to to murder Midori. So that's the story. That's a quick one shot of Usagi Jimbo. So it's it's nice because it's like Japanese mythology, but it's kind of done in a modern tale. And in, in the fact that it's all anthropomorphic animals, the violence in it is not. It's kind of toned down, so it's not as gratuitous because it's rabbits and foxes and and wolves and stuff. I have a question. Is this based on uh, like a Japanese folktale that we know of or that we can find out? A lot it of sounds really interesting. Or is it like taking characters that are known in Japanese mythology and, and like like you said, like just putting it in a new story? A lot of his stuff is. He doesn't mention it. There's no back matter in this one, which is kind of strange because usually he has back matter, especially if it's based on something. So this might be an all original story. But yeah, he yeah he uses like Tengu and like Kappa, Kappa turtles and all that kind of stuff from and yokai, and all this stuff from like Japanese mythology a lot of times. So I wouldn't be surprised if this was somehow based on on something. That's pretty cool. It's a way to learn Japanese mythology, even if it's brand new. <laughs> I'm always trying to read more Usagi Ojimbo, so I'll definitely give it a look. Yeah, it, yeah, it's definitely. Um, I, it'll probably be collected in the uh, the next edition, even though it's a one shot, which is nice because we don't get a lot of one shots nowadays. Because you know, you, you know, you have to create you know, five or six issues of story to get into a trade right. back. That's where the money is mostly made. So it's nice to get a one shot. But I mean, you're definitely right. You do one cameo on a Ninja Turtles cartoon, you're with me for life. Basically. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, the um, the Osamu Jimbo action figure from the like the '89 Trans Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, action figure line is like a holy grail item for me. Like if I could ever oh, find yeah. that. Wait, there Usagi... are, there's a he he was in the cartoon Usagi Ujimbo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, he shit! He shows up for one yeah. episode. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I remember this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it yeah. literally just hit me. Sorry, Richard. Go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was just going to say, um, they just announced a very nice looking uh, new Osagi Yojimbo figure. Mm. Um, there's like a line of uh, premium figures that are out now, but they're in the style of like high-end versions of the old Ninja Turtles line from the 90s. And they just announced the uh, Usagi Yojimbo maybe a week or so ago. Okay, that might have to be a good replacement for the original. If I could find my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle pods, Whoa. I'd be so happy. I didn't have any Ninja Turtle pods. I definitely had X-Men pods, though. Oh, yeah. I had that weird double slammer that was like, um, had like a weird skater guy on it. That was my shit. That's how I 
dominated the fucking kids on my playground. And then our school banned bugs. I don't think anything's ever burned uh, brighter or faster than pogs. Like, I feel like pogs were the most important thing in my world for like four months. And then I never thought of them again. Oh my God. (laughs) No, I was a little fat, nerdy Mexican kid who held on to pogs and Power Rangers for as long as she could while getting incessantly bullied by her peers. But yeah, (laughs) fuck, I loved that. So good. But Alfred's back in the Oh, oh. <laughs> yes, that he is. <laughs> um, the thing is, is that all those people now, Carrie, are into nerd stuff now. Like they're into the MCU. So, like, I, I, every time I'm like, oh, good, I first guessed this. I was, I was on top of this yeah. 25, 20, 30 years ago. Cool. For the people that I went to uh, elementary, junior high, and high school with, um, they probably got pregnant before 20, and um, have multiple fathers for their children i'm just oh nice your high school fuck (laughs) (laughs) but um i i like i had pogs as well but then well actually this kind of goes back to what we were talking about last week too with the the shirts you know how like how like the the t-shirts that we wore or we wanted as, as you know high school were considered nerdy and dorky and now that's like the cool the cool kids wear the excellent t-shirts and stuff like that so yes yeah though though there was some really dirty stuff i was into in high school though oh, there's yeah. these uh very loud like uh dragon ball z button-ups that i would ki- would have killed for in high school and they're just bad and tacky even now i'm just <laughs> like no this isn't coming back around <laughs> oh man dragon ball z t-shirts good D- dragon ball z uh dress shirts nah you can't do it you can't do it maybe the, maybe the little i ninja. have i have a button up for um impulse so oh Ooh. nice that's oh, nice. i would still wear one but they're 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 not good darcy like every time i look at them I'm like, i still like it as a matter of it's, fact it's a short a... sleeve button up too so. is, this, is, this, is this a pattern shirt or is it like just one picture throughout the whole thing hold up it's right here that is awesome. Oh, if, if it's just comic panels, oh, I'm here for that. <laughs> I approve that. No, 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 no. Like the Dragon Ball shirts I'm talking about are like bright blue uh. background and just someone going super sane and it's just garish and it has 50 <laughs> colors on it. <laughs> I get you. Um, though there is a shirt that I was looking for long past its prime at some point uh, Mark Echo the the designer had a Marvel contract and there was a a Marvel collection there's a a Mr. Fantastic button up and all the shirt is is uh, Reed Richards stretching in all directions just multiple Reed Richards all over the shirt and I that shirt probably came out when I was in high school and I was looking for it on eBay well into the 2010s. Could find it, but not in my size. That sounds really cool. Oh, too. that sucks. Yeah, like, but like, I'm just, I, I'm not, I'm not against having a, a loud ostentation shirt. It's just those Dragon Ball shirts are bad. <laughs> That's true. That's accurate. So if you can find the the Mark Echo designed Reed Richards shirt or the double XL, or, or or sorry, go ahead. 
No, I was gonna say if you could find a double XL, we could work out a rumble still skin type deal if that's your what you're into. Yeah, and and if you can throw in the uh, the first generation Ninja Turtle, <laughs> you know, card or no card, I don't care. I just want oh, to Jerry, it. looks looks like he's making plans for you. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Although I have, you know, that company, the Mountain, um, they make they're like famous for the three wolf moon shirt. Okay, yes. Um, yeah, yeah, so they make crazy loud shirts. I have several of those shirts currently as an adult. Mm-hmm. And um, there's one I have that's like a purple tie-dye and it has a unicorn in front of a castle. And my old, her old neighbor, she was like eight. And she's like, Miss Carrie, I really like your shirt. And I was like, yes, Maya, I'm, I, am a, <laughs> I am a nerd. I like unicorns and I wear unicorn shirts. <laughs> I was only popular with like the under 10 crowd, which was kind of strange. Just no, no, that, that's fine. Just be like, yo, we're safe. <laughs> we're both cool. And that's all you need to know, kid. Yeah. Stay the way you are. Stay cool. Mm. Well, I think you got cool things. Are you guys ready to go on to our uh, our main topic for the uh, for the episode? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So um, as always, and and then I just started doing this last episode, but I want to keep on doing this. Uh, major spoilers going ahead, going ahead here. So um, either, you know, pick up the book, read it, or if you want on the edge and you don't mind spoilers, you know, keep, keep on listening, you know, just uh, we'll go, we'll go on from there now. So the book of the week is Black Smith from Ahoy Comics by Eric Palicki and Wendell Calvacanti on art. Um, Eric Blakey's writing it, and Rob Seen is the letterer. No color. It's a black and white comic, which we we haven't done in a while. So we're we're doing classic indie comics, black and white comics. Um, and this story was my choice. And if you're wondering why I chose this book, um, all I have to say is a few few quick words. Um, Neo noir. Uh, werewolves and vampires and the clash <laughs> effectively is why I chose this book um, I, I read it when it was coming out I really enjoyed it I wanted to share it kind of with the group um, this is the story of Strummer uh, Janie Jones Strummer Mercado to be exact um, actually before I begin um, this is I'm channeling my inner Darcy here because this was a book I chose as a looking forward, and this was a spotlight when the first issue came out, and now we're doing it as a main topic. Oh, exactly, so, guys. so this is the trifecta nice. for, for me <laughs> this this week. Um, so, um, so we're talking about Janie Jones, uh, Strum, or known as Strummer Mercado. Uh, Janie Jones is the name of a, a Clash song, also, and Strummer, as in Joe Strummer, the uh, the lead singer of the Clash. Um, that's her nickname. Uh, that was given to her by her dad. Uh, well, that was the only thing that her dad gave her because she's half werewolf. And um, she's a detective and she lives with her partner slash, um, or her partner in the detective agency and slash friend slash half gin um, named, um, oh my gosh. Ben. Ben, yeah, thank Salat. you. Ben Salat, thank you. And um, they basically, r- do detective work, uh, your classic, you know, uh, stalking people, taking pictures, you know, um, getting hired to take pictures of people, um, doing bad things, being, you know, 
um, infidelities and all that kind of stuff. Um, like private investigators. Yeah, basically private investigators. And they focus on humans, uh, Janie Jones, basically because she's like, uh, it's easier for me because, you know, I have all these extrasensory literal powers so I can use them in order to uh, to kind of sniff out the clues, quite literally. Well, while she's, while she's working on this one case, she gets shot with a silver bullet um, and um, is recovering and um, she gets attacked by um, the Order of Fenris, which is basically a, a white supremacist werewolf worshiping group. And since she's not fully white, they don't want her to have werewolf powers essentially. So they, they go after her. Um, it turns out all this kind of stuff is related as they get a new job from a kind of a weird eccentric millionaire that uh, kind of goes that goes by the name of uh, Rainsford Black. This is where the name of the title comes from, and um, the and essentially he hires them because he had crafted uh, thirty bullets, silver bullets, out of the silver that was paid to uh, Judas Iscariot for the betrayal of uh, Jesus Christ. So these are very magically powered uh, bullets and they've gone missing. And so he, he wants to hire them to find the bullets. And so they don't want to take the job first, but the, the idea that there was 30 that were made in the picture that he shows, there's two missing. So they kind of want to know where those two bullets were from and maybe that one of those bullets was one of the ones that shot um strummer in the beginning of the series and um so they end up taking the job it turns out that uh rainsford black is not everything that he seems he's actually kind of like a monster hunter slash collector his two confidants essentially are asterius the uh, the famous minotaur of of the king minus myth and galatea the person who was originally a statue and then was brought to life and and was like the like the perfect woman essentially. Yeah, it's so, a statue of Aphrodite. Statue of Nikki. And so and so they're immortal, obviously, and they work for Mr. Black. Mr. Black is also not the greatest proprietor, as shoots Galatea in the head to show that she's made out of porcelain and that she can heal herself. So not the best guy. <laughs> so not at all. So effectively, um, they, they they take the job, but so they have run-ins with with vamp uh, 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 vampire brothers who own a bar. Um, they also have um, run-in with a an old mystic shop that uh, sells crystals that is run by basically kind of like an anglerfish demon, uh, which has what looks like an old man at the at the end of this little string. And, where where uh, the light bulb would be? Where the, exactly yes. where the light bulb would be, yeah. and uh, and it turns um, out that I didn't view him as an anglerfish while reading it, but as soon as you said it, perfect. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. so it's been it was nuanced and actually towards the end that he was both Jack the Ripper and the Black Dahlia murderer. Um, so you know um, he basically eats people to sustain his life. So it turns out that no one ever stole these bullets and that Rains for Black Monster Hunter um, was basically using Strummer on, and, their, and her connections to follow, follow her and basically kill monsters that as she was trying to investigate who stole these bullets. And so she, he ends up killing one of the brothers of, of the vampire bar owners. And so they went from 
being called Dos Feratu to Uno Feratu, which I thought was a pretty funny joke. Funny. And as well as the anglerfish demon um, gets killed as well. At the end, basically, uh, they team up with uh, Aster as well as the uh, the brother who didn't get killed, the vampire. Um, they take down Chad. Chad, thank you. And they take down the uh, the Brotherhood of Fenris that uh, Black has also hired. Essentially, save the day. Decide that their skills are no longer should just be used for normal humans and that they should actually start getting into actual detective work and start working with uh, the extra, you know, the extra paranormal kind of characters. So they end up opening up their shop again. Black is still alive. He actually teams up with Chad, uh, the brother. Um, and, and I, but that's all off panel. So I'm, I'm assuming when there's a second volume, we'll get into all that because if it's still going to be called Blacksmith, I'm assuming Rance for Black is going to still be a, a main character in this story. Um, <laughs> and I got volume. I would two hopefully to, track, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I got, I got um, volume two confirmed actually from Eric Palicki. I, um, when I was doing my poll list that I do for Instagram, he responded and uh, I had responded to him and said, Hey, like, I love this book. Like it was in my top 10 of last year. Uh, and he's like, Oh, thank you. We're, we're working on the second volume right now to make it even better than the first volume. And I'm like, Ooh, that's, that's insider information. I didn't even know you guys were making a volume two. <laughs> and now I'm seeing it here. So, <laughs> so I hope that that's awesome. Wasn't, yeah. I hope it wasn't too much of a secret, but, but yeah, cause this book could easily, I would have been satisfied with it just ending at issue five and it being one volume, it, it was a good standalone story. So, but I'm happy. But definitely yeah. in the book, it felt like we were walking in on the middle of something and then we were leaving with stuff unresolved. So definitely yeah. happy to see more. <laughs> There's definitely a lot there to go. You know, like we kind of get into Stormer's past, uh, content warning, uh, issue four. There's a suicide, but really no other content warnings. I think the black and white work kind of helps you know, kind of diminish the gore. Because there is there is some blood and guts in this comic, but since it's not colored, it's, it doesn't seem as gratuitous as it could be. Now that I'm done rambling, what do you guys all think about it? I mean, I really enjoyed it. Um, I do feel like we need to uh, spotlight a book that sucks. Because I feel like every time we get here, I'm like, actually, no, that was awesome. <laughs> um, I do have an issue with the title. I feel like it's giving me a, like a dyslexia because I keep wanting to call it Black Myths. <laughs> <laughs> So. You know, um, it's it's just a really good but like, um, and I also like uh, just stepping into a world that I have no idea of because it's like, oh, it seems like a regular cop noir, but then there's monsters and that's regular for some people and completely scary and confusing for others. But like, yeah, it's the, it's the, a nice like uh, established world to just jump into. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, there's there's no need for an explanation of of where these monsters are from and where they've been hiding or how they've been hiding you know they're just kind of there in the world you know and i will say this i feel like if if you if your name is friend uh friendress in any sort of fashion you're associated with villainy like you can't be like the good guys it's the wolf, it's the wolf that swallowed the moon yeah or yeah the sun, like, like, the sun. yeah it's, oh, it's sound, predicted sound. to swallow the sun yes so um, in, in X-Men, Fenris is mutants that are oppressed for being mutants, but they're also still Nazis. Ooh. Oh, the brother, the brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, oh, yeah. And they're into incest because they have to be also awful in all facets. Because the, the, the Struckers. 
Yes. Yeah, the Strucker. Yeah, yeah, they're Baird Strucker's kids. They're awful. Mm. But like, I feel like once you have that name, you're just you have to be awful. Maybe maybe someone needs to write the book where it turns that on its head. Like you know, somebody named Frenris is a uh, Superman or something. <laughs> the um, the wolves, uh, Fenris. I forget the other one. Um, um, they appear in the Heathen comic, um, and they're good guys effectively. <laughs> so that's oh, see, cool. okay, yeah, so someone has time. turned the status quo on its head. Yeah, but um, you know, use the usage of Norse mythology and Greek mythology in this as well. Kind of fun, kind of my bag as well. So it's pretty cool. So Darcy, I can, okay, go ahead. I guess I will be I. I think it was the art was very good. I like the black and white. I think it fit very well. It was very well written. Um, it did everything it was supposed to do. I, I, I read a lot and I read a lot in high school and I read a lot in college and the 2000s fantasy world was urban fantasy, urban fantasy, urban fantasy, urban fantasy. So this to me, I had so much deja vu reading it. Um, it just kind of, it, it, I, I, I didn't not like it. I don't think it was bad at all, like at all. I'm not at all saying that. I think it's a subjective thing. I, I didn't enjoy. <laughs> it's a landscape you've tread already? Yeah, yeah, it just, everything I read, I, I felt I'd read before a lot. It felt like derivative for you? It, very much so. Like the anglerfish is a Magnus. It's, it's the first episode of Magnus archives kind of thing. Like that, oh, okay. I've, I've seen that before. Um, I, I just, I hate it <laughs> because it's, it's, it's one of those things. Like I, I don't mind tropes at all. Like I don't, I've read 5 billion sports manga. Like if it's super, super, super trope heavy, like I can just laugh at it and be like, Oh, tropes kind of thing, you know? Um, but for some reason I just, it might just be, I'm in kind of a weird mood and a weird headspace. That could also be the, it, that's what I'm, that's why I want to like, preface it's really professionally written the art's really good but it just really really felt deja vu-ish to me especially well, like mean, coming out coming out at the beginning with like the oh the silver with you know like judas's silver like that very much felt like simon r green's night side to me um just like i just every piece of this felt like something i had read before when I was in high school or college during like the really heavy urban fantasy days. Mm. Um, and, and I felt that a lot from a lot of like noir PI urban fantasy comics I've been reading lately. And that feels a lot like, oh, it's people my age getting into the comics business, writing stuff they read kind of feeling. Mm. Like that's sort of, you see that where comics take waves and fans of comics bring back up and highlight characters that they really liked to read when they were younger. You, you kind of see that come up and I feel like that might be some of what this is. Mm. Um, but but so it's just, I, I don't know. It's, again, it's not that I'm saying this is a bad book. I'm not saying that at all. It's just none of it really felt like something I hadn't read before. Um, it just kind of felt like puzzle pieces to me of things that I definitely had 
read before a lot. Um, so I didn't really find it um, an engaging read. So if you're really, really, really into urban fantasy or if you were in the early 2000s, this may feel kind of like a soft version of stuff that you've read before. I don't know if it will feel incredibly engaging. Um, if you just like reading that a lot and you haven't read that in a while, this will probably be like, you know, like a cup of coffee kind of thing. Oh, this is mm -hmm. comfortable. I, you know, feel good here. I haven't read this in a while. This feels very much like early 2000s urban fantasy. I knew kind of, I knew where it was going. I kind of saw what it was doing. I, the angler fish came up and I kind of laughed. I was like, you know, <laughs> I knew what that was. It's, it's kind of one of those things. Again, great art, really well-written, but yeah, I just, I, I don't know. It just didn't really click with me very well. No, no offense to it. Yeah. No offense to the creators. They were great. It just didn't click with me that well. No, no, no. Darcy, you got to apologize. For <laughs> I, 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 You've yeah, offended. I just. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's totally, I mean, I, totally I, I, it. um, no, I was just going to say, um, you, you're so apologetic for having a sincere opinion. It's yeah, fine. I, like, you don't have to I, love it. <laughs> I, I, no, no, I, because, because, you know, you know how hard stuff like this is to no, write. Absolutely. You know how, you know how much work they put into it. And, and there's a difference between something that's bad and something that someone doesn't oh, like. There's a very, no, no, but I, I totally understand the feeling. I know that feeling of something that I'm like, I could tell that this is good, but it's not right. for me. Right. Like, it, yeah, it's not connecting with me, but I could definitely tell it's of a certain level of quality. Yeah. So I feel you there. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 just that I spent a long time reading stuff like this, and I just kind of hit hit my hit my wall with it. You know, when I was about twenty two, and I was like, okay, I've read enough of this, and and then maybe I'll hit a point where I'm like, you know what, I miss urban fantasy, and I'll yeah. come back and and I'll want to read this again, and and this will be the best thing I've ever read, and and because it is really well done, I, I can see myself coming back to it and really really enjoying it. Like I went back to Simon R. Green's books not too long ago and was like. <laughs> I can't do this again. I can't do this. <laughs> and I used to really, really love Simon R. Grain's urban fantasy books because they're fun to read. Um, but at some point, you know, there are like 20 of those damn books and I got tired of them. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it's just one of those things. Sometimes you just hit a wall with a certain type of genre, a certain type of subgenre. Um, and, and I kind of did that to myself, reading the five trillion of those that came out during that really short period of time. Um, and, and yeah, like, I don't know what it was during like this five-year period. It was like vampires and werewolves that are PIs in urban areas <laughs> in with really like, maybe people know that they're like urban or that they're paranormal. Maybe people don't, but yeah, we're going to have like paranormal detectives doing paranormal stuff. And maybe the detective is, uh, creature or maybe they're not a creature but they know that they're creatures and there's going to be five trillion of these things in a very short amount of time i read a romance, a romance um 
it was really fucking hot. I mean, this girl was getting banged by all sorts of paranormal <laughs> Listen, creatures. And I urban fantasy is romantic. Yes. Urban <laughs> fantasy is sexy as fuck. It is. Let me tell you. It's one of it's <laughs> I there, there I are non-sexy versions. Inspired. <laughs> there are non-sexy versions. Simon or Greens is not as sexy. It's not very sexy. His his girlfriend in it. Um content warning. Okay, she had she was sexually assaulted at some point. So like they live on separate floors of their house. Um, oh. So it's not very sexy. No. Um, but whew, you get to some of those and they're fucking all the time. They're fucking multiple people. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. Some some of the first like queer stuff I read in um, in like mass market. You know, like mass market front of the house not in the queer section of the bookstore was an urban fantasy like it's a vampire detective who has to drink blood from just whomever so he's got his little boy on the side who's like a drug addict or whatever and he's saving his life through drinking blood i don't know <laughs> um i was gonna say i was having a similar experience uh to what you're talking about kind of with the anime like 2000 mm. to 2010 all i did was watch anime and i loved it and then yes. like i didn't even have like a disgust with it i just kind of stopped and yes. then in the last few like basically since january of this year i kind of picked it up again and i'm like oh why did i ever stop enjoying this i really enjoyed it but you know sometimes you just need a break from some things yeah you need to yes. step away for a little while and i think yeah. that there has been there was like this period of anime for quite a bit where it got super 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 repetitive and super oh, yeah. super copy pasty and i oh, yeah. think super very recently right? so derivative and i think recently within the last couple of years people are starting to take chances again with anime and manga um and, and hopefully we'll get to that next week because i i think we're going to do a manga next week nice. um awesome. that that takes a couple of chances um and and i i think there's a lot of interesting stuff coming out of uh, japanese comics that um not that there hasn't always been there has it's kind of like right, American right, comics, closer to the surface stuff. though exactly that that more yeah, people you, know about you had to deep dive and go find the interesting stuff because the stuff at the service was, surface was a little bit derivative but yeah exactly like now now the cream at the top is being a little bit more interesting exactly so I, yeah i get it i mean because um for me of all things it was two very heavy hitters in their respective uh genres or industries um the beatles and mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Lord I mean, of the Rings, yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. like, I was obsessed with the Beatles from like 10th to, you know, about 41. 12. Well, oh, okay. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, I couldn't listen to them for a while, for yeah. a long time. And it wasn't until after I got Absolutely. married that, like, that I started listening to them again, like, and they were on like regular repeat. And it's like, it's the Beatles. <laughs> I mean, like, it's like the, one of the greatest. Or it's not the greatest, like, modern band of all time, you know, like, you know, and then same with, same with Lord of the Rings, where I was reading so much stuff derivative of Lord of the Rings and, like, playing, mm. you know, or, or getting into Dungeons and Dragons, which is very derivative of that as well, and, and mm -hmm. like, and so, like, all, like, high fantasy for a very long time just left a bad taste in my mouth, because mm -hmm. it was just, like, 
again orcs like what are we doing <laughs> what are we doing you know like you know so so now and then last year i loved a comic book called orcs and it was great <laughs> you know? so but, you know, shout out to legends and lattes have you heard of that no i haven't it's a book um uh, carrie i think you would love it i'm looking it up right now continue it's about an orc who stops uh, being an adventurer, kill things orc, and opens, decides to uh, go to a town and open a coffee shop. Oh my god, I'm getting this. Awesome. Oh, no. yeah. It's on Kindle. Oh, shit. It's on Kindle. It's in my It's in my account. You can read it in my account. Oh, I got it. Sharing is caring. Sharing yes. is caring. Well, speaking of... Sorry to interrupt you, Brian. Oh, no, no worries. <laughs> no, it's fine. And I, I want to actually carry... You haven't said your opinion yet well there wasn't enough sex in this book for me to really enjoy it no i'm just joking you know there was a little bit I, I, but carrie all jokes aside though there was like, an act of sex <laughs> but like they kept um they kept like getting close to the line of of not even sex but sexual tension and then just kind of walking away from it like i was just like oh is there gonna be some chemistry here and they're like nah 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 we got a detective case to do which was interesting like it was something different but like every time i expected there to be some sort of tension like even between uh bed and the minotaur which i think maybe if there's another volume there will be something there mm-hmm. there could be but, but like like they kind of you know leaned in that direction and then they're like oh no we have you know real stuff to do so we can't do that right now (laughs) no i do i i actually really enjoyed the book um i thought the first issue was a little bit like first of all i don't like black and white art um normally speaking just because i have my eyes are weird and i have a hard time focusing on it um i really actually ended up enjoying the artwork I thought the first issue was a little slow paced for me. And I mean, it's going to sound funny, but really my knowledge of like mythological creatures and shit is from erotica. So Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) I don't know a whole lot about it. Unless someone's getting railed by a jinn, I don't understand how (laughs) a jinn works. But like, I'm, I mean, seriously, like that's all I know. I can't, I'm a trash human. I'm sorry. You guys are going to learn a lot about it. But like, it's um, so like not having that background, but kind of being thrown into the world, I felt it was very fresh from like the perspective that I had just because Mm. I don't know a lot about it. And um, I really liked the characters. I love Strummer. Um, I loved the fact that she's like boning her client. I adored that because I'm like, yes, uh, like the minute Brian and I get divorced, whoever's my PI. Oh my I'm goodness. Go- I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. But like, um, no. So I thought I'm just like full of jokes tonight. So I thought it was really good. I really liked it. Um, I'm excited for volume two because I think it's interesting. And like everyone said earlier, I think that it's, um, that there is a lot of unresolved things and what else? I had a whole thing that I wanted to say and I forgot because Brian started talking about the fucking Beatles. Um, that, <laughs> that threw me this off. Is, this is the first time I, I, in a I just um, <laughs> want to say that since this is not a visual medium, whenever, uh, when Carrie said that about their divorce, I clutched my pearls. <laughs> so I just want everyone to know that. Uh, You're not on enough episodes that come on so often. No, um, but yeah, it was um, 
I don't know. I really liked it. I thought that, um, and Darcy, because you you made it sound like you knew. So what is the anglerfish character? And I I don't know, you know, like specifically if they took it from like if it's a reference to the Magnus Archives, but the Magnus Archives is like this really like long running um, uh, 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 podcast uh, that's about like it's a supernatural podcast. It's fantastic. It's like one of the best ones out there. Super recommended if you don't listen to it, it's creepy as fuck. Love it. Um, <laughs> but the first episode is about this anglerfish who's light um is this uh body it like can skin people and like and like Mm. put like human bodies on it and it's in england so uh, i've seen that trope before somewhere it it hangs out in in okay so the magnus okay how do i explain this Okay, well, first of all, I just spoiled the first episode for you, but whatever. <laughs> but anyway, so if, if you're listening to it, what happens essentially is you're told, well, the art, you know, we've got a new guy in charge of the archives. Uh, we're sending out, you know, you're listening to the archives, you're listening to whatever. They send out two, um, uh, uh, they're not detectives, they're investigators or whatever, basically detectives, whatever. They send out two people to investigate this Uh, thing that keeps this weird supernatural thing that keeps happening because people keep disappearing in this alley they keep seeing this wispy person who they has been described as like drunk or whatever uh you know like listing and drunk and the only like thing that keeps getting passed back is like they're asking for cigarettes can i get a cigarette i get a cigarette um and then a per like a body appears dead Um, and so this, um, they go to check it out and, um, the two investigators go and they find, you know, like this body and and this person in this alleyway and is listening. It's like, can I get a cigarette? Can I get a cigarette or some shit? It's like super fucking terrifying at all. It's terrifying (laughs) as shit. And like, they go and they follow this body into this out this like person into this alleyway what you know the fuck? and um and like there's this huge hole in the bottom and there's this giant fucking anglerfish it's scary as shit i love it the whole thing is pretty fucking scary um and and the anglerfish is like an i won't tell you the whole thing but it's the anglerfish is just episode one kind of but also it's like connected to mormon it's like a thing anyway scary shit i love it i don't know if it's a direct reference to the magnus archives but i specifically like that's where i know the anglerfish from and when they showed that image of the anglerfish dude as the like jack the ripper like that is almost there's a uh like a fan art of the anglerfish mm-hmm. yeah and from that that's almost identical to that like is really close not like identical identical as in color and it's kind of like a skinned body it's not like the same thing he's not wearing like a pretty suit but i was like eh, like it just really first of all you don't see many anglerfish body things like it really like how often do you see that yeah, second of all that alleyway thing i was like eh. it, has, it doesn't it. have to be in, it doesn't have to be a reference but it felt really referential yeah okay 
that's really interesting yeah i just googled it and like there's nothing else except for that for yeah so that's gotta yeah. be a reference so to yeah either or, or just happen to or they the same you thing. know they happen to happen yeah yeah i mean it's not like you can't think of the same thing but it's you know yeah. no but yeah the, it's a thing <laughs> it's a thing i, I thought of it, inter- very it's very the very most famous anglerfish uh, person i know of <laughs> yeah very interesting um um tribute if, if that was a tribute then you know absolutely and yeah. again i totally recommend it carrie i think you'd like it yeah. plus, it's rad plus it's um so rad. So you rad. know because he's also borrowing um you know he borrows like the we even from mythology grim, yeah like uh the grim um which is yeah from like english mythology <gasps> the, part of the, book. The, the 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 black dog that is um is stormer's companion that um I love that dog. <laughs> uh, and um, as well as, you know, you got, you got Asterius and, and Galatea from Greek mythology. You got Fenris from Norse mythology. Yeah. So I think, I think that probably is something, you know, like he basically like he picked and cho- chose the things that he likes the most about monsters and, and uh, sci-fi and fantasy and stuff. So. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it's, Angler fishes are scary, mm-hmm. so I, I can see Nemo making it into that. a monster. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. the nature. What was that Nature magazine from childhood that everybody got subscribed to? That's yeah, oh, highlights. National maybe. Oh, highlights. Yeah, there's like a highlights that both features. of them. Yeah, <laughs> and like Nat Geo for kids. Ranger Rick. <laughs> Not Rick. that I don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> but Rick. but both of them have at some point i'm sure pictures of anglerfish and they're always scary they're never mm-hmm. not scary no um so i i could see independently coming up with a scary anglerfish person um but yeah no uh i'm a fan of the magnus archives and um that is the first episode and it has imprinted upon me that image and i will possibly you know be the last thing i think about before i die who knows (laughs) (laughs) i hope the last thing i think about before i die is something that evocative (laughs) (laughs) even the anglerfish and animal crossing is is creepy and scary and you would you know animal crossing is kind of a cartoony game so so yeah well it is definitely a scary thing Um, i have to google that i've never played animal crossing one thing i do want to say about the book itself is that um it just kind of throws you into their world without being prepped and they do a great job just threading the needle because i feel like that can go really bad very quickly you know if it's not handled well and it's Mm -hmm. just kind of like no no this world exists there's uh monsters and there's regular people and just let's go and it's done so it's so well done that you don't think you don't think twice about it. I mean to the point that you're making uh Darcy about it just being well done even if you don't like you know absolutely love it it's just kind of like absolutely like like they don't they don't prep you they don't try to you know they don't tell you something and then give you a bunch of lore it's just like she's a werewolf he's a djinn mm-hmm. let's keep it moving there's other stuff to do mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. just it works really really well and part of that I think is down to the narration being really well done Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's direct and efficient. It isn't like it's exposition because you've got that noir detective thing. So it's expected. It's part of the trope. Uh, you, you 
I guess you don't have to do it, but it's better if you do it and it yeah. puts you in the book. It gives you that information, but it isn't overdone. Um, and it, I think that's maybe where I get to where I, I didn't hate it. Like, you know, Brubaker, <laughs> no offense to all Brubaker people. I can't read Brubaker Noir, yeah. uh, even though I, I like Noir. Like, I cannot stand that the way he does it. Um, because I cannot, I cannot do it. He's too wordy. It drives me nuts. Oh um, God! But this, I was just I thinking, know, if I ever, every, if I ever write a book, Darcy, everybody hates want... me for it. <laughs> no, not at all. Oh, no, no, the no, Darcy stands out there. Love you. No, no, I they just, really I, don't. <laughs> I just now I want to write a book, and I want to be the blurb in there that says I didn't hate it. Darcy. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't no, for no, me, no. but, but it, it wasn't bad. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, I I think it does a really good job of being that narration that gives you or being that exposition that gives you what you need to know, does it in a um concise manner and an entertaining manner based on the genre that you're in. So it does it in the correct voice and mm -hmm. doesn't overwhelm you with information mm -hmm. or, or overwhelm the page with information, calling out the letter or whoever that is. Uh, it does it efficiently for the, because the panels are pretty small in a lot of it. A lot of those panel or pages are like eight panel pages or even nine panel pages. So like it does those, you know, you could take up other, other people, other books might take up whole big sections with, uh, exposition. Uh, this does not. It does a really efficient job yeah. of giving you all this information. Um, so kudos to that for the writing and the art direction. It does a really fantastic job of that. Um, I will die on the hill with you, Darcy, that like sometimes the Brewbreaker stuff does feel like early Claremont where it's just like, I no, no, you. I don't need you to I don't need you to describe what I can see on the page. The art is good, actually. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> so, exactly. so, so I don't need you to tell me exactly what I'm seeing. I, I, I get it. <laughs> Talk about a clutch your pearls moment. I'm oh. over here. Very shocked. Uh, no, some, some things are too wordy. Even Winter Soldier, a little too oh wordy. Oh, my God. Yes. Thank it's you. It's fantastic. It's an all-time classic, but it's a little too wordy. I I love the story. I love the information. I love what it did to the character, but I cannot read that book again, ever. I go back to it for information, like for the canon, for the context. Sometimes I'm like, what exactly happened in that book? And I can read like one panel just to, I go to the wiki. <laughs> Can't actually read that book again. It drives me nuts. The wiki was written by Brubaker, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? If you're, you're if you're a writer updating your old wiki, that's the level of narcissism that I'm here for. Like I'm like, look, if we're doing this, we're doing this fucking correct. <laughs> no, 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 no one can get this right except for me. Oh, hilarious. Um, well, back to back to blacksmith. I think the um the what really helps the narr the narration as well is that every issue begins in the middle of something and it always has the same the the so no no days don't go how you'd expect or so or so some days don't go how you expect and you kind of mm -hmm. just get thrown into action you know you, you got Ben on the on the ground at a bar who just got punched and you find out later that what, what exactly happened 
in that situation. <laughs> I mean, the whole series starts with with um, Strummer in a in a bathtub bleeding out. You know, like so it, it does. Basically, it jumps you every single issue. It jumps you into into the story. You know, like where like you know there is no time for overexposition. We're, 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 we're getting into the action right now. You know, so I think that's pretty. Ben, cool. Ben's glass jaw. <laughs> and uh ben's friendship with uh the minotaur was my favorite part but ben yeah. lying on the on the floor <laughs> of the bar being like oh god i'm dying <laughs> I, I think this is it was i think my favorite part of the whole book yeah. i loved it i i think ben overall i mean i, I do i did like strummer a lot but i think ben overall was my favorite character because when he has probably baseball, true yeah when he has the baseball yeah. bat and then and he goes against Chad and Chad's like, what are you gonna do with the baseball bat? And he's like, not a baseball bat, and he breaks it in half and he's like, two stakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's Absolutely. like, you want truce or yeah. <laughs> stab you twice, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so. I don't like, even it was... need to, but I'll do it just for the hell of it. And the small the thing armor. about Ben is how Ben is like our uh, he's the normal character, like our point of view character, but like you're also a jit and just as weird as everyone else here, sir. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It had had a very polyamorous orgy in order to get the the, the information they needed to uh, to expose the infidelity of that one character. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, but you know, being able to shape shift and uh, and teleport has its advantages, right? It does indeed. <laughs> I mean, it would it it wouldn't be bad. And 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 the fact that Mister can teleport and and uh, shape shift almost gets hit by a car in one issue. And then, and then also has get stuck in LA traffic. Also, shout out to LA really quick. I'm not, I don't like the city that much, but I like it in in stories, especially noir stories. I think LA is like the perfect place to put stories. I know that that once again, that's kind of a trope, that LA. But when I saw the, the Sepulveda Pass in issue five, when there's when it's when it's a vampire, a gin, and a and a minotaur stuck in a car in in four hundred five traffic, trying to get on the one hundred one. I mean, mm -hmm. that that was like oh yeah. Shout classic. out to whoever drew, uh, who did the art? Wendell Cavalcanti. Okay, when Wendell does the overpass signs of the four hundred five Sacramento. Yeah. And then Ventura, uh, one hundred one North, one hundred one South, and Ventura Boulevard. I knew exactly where I, that fucking was on the freeway. That's true. Yeah, and I was just like, yeah. bitch, I know That's that fucking awesome. sign. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was perfect. And the fact and it's right by the it's right by the Galleria and Sherman Oaks. Like you can like if you're from the area or you've driven that freeway multiple times, you can visualize it. And I just I really loved it. And it's also kind of a hidden joke too, because um they're going the wrong direction. They're supposed to be going downtown. And they're heading north. Yeah, they're the, heading north. That's the, that's the north 405. Yeah, that's, that's like when that's you're leaving on. LAX to come to our house. Yeah, that's when you go. Yeah, going through the valley essentially. Yeah. So so yeah, um, they they definitely had to make a turn around there, or or get on the 101 south, and and go the other way. Yeah, I just I really did love that. That was a nice little thing. Yeah. So Maybe I was gonna say part of what car. makes uh, mm. LA so conducive to noir, I think, is uh the fact that it's a driving city. Like I feel like if you're like if you're doing noir in like modern New York or something, you're just always walking somewhere or taking the train. It doesn't work as well. But the fact that you're always having to head somewhere far, it's like to to meet this client, to get this evidence, you got to go way across town. Mm -hmm. Like I just feel like it, you know, it lends itself to the uh, to the genre. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And then, um, and you also have PCH on here as well. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, um, oh, that's the pet, that's where, that's the people who have Strummer. That's where they're at. They're on, they're on PCH. So this is pretty cool. And I've yeah. been there. So, yeah. so I understand that reference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, um, uh, you know, I, I apologize. Sorry, Dar Darcy, I'm sorry that you didn't like it as much as, as you could have, but um, thank you for, for reading it with us. Absolutely no problem. You know, that's the name of the game. We don't always read what we like to read. Yeah. And again, no. I, I still thought it was good. Yeah. It's just that it wasn't for you. Yeah, exactly. Darcy, oh, exactly. no, demand recompense. <laughs> <laughs> You're sassy today, Richard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll be Richard for for your choice. I'll make sure I choose a terrible book for my uh my thirty eight year old Richard sassy now. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I picked up this year. Yeah. <laughs> this is a good year to pick that up. Um, oh, I did like um, even though I didn't like Rainsford Black as a character too much, but um, I did like it when he got excited that he, when he finds out that the that the uh, anglerfish was both the Black Dahlia murderer and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah and and um jack the ripper like he was like, oh my god that's so awesome <laughs> like, i yeah. killed i killed both at the same time that's so cool yeah it is he was such a dick anyone who works with nazis you know even if they're just if he's just paying them and he ends up shooting them it doesn't matter they're nazis and you should be working with them so <laughs> sounds Hot like take. someone doesn't like space <laughs> 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 I, our country's terrible. Yeah. Yep, that's true. Uh, Anytime someone comes out anti-Nazi, all you have to do is be like, "What do you have against going to the moon, sir?" And then just put them <laughs> in a conundrum. Oh, my, I'm totally forgetting the guy, the name of the guy who who invented the the rocket right now. I was going to uh, uh, Werner von Braun. Braun, von, yes, yes. I'm sure there's not a lot of von Braun stands that listen to this podcast <laughs> hopefully there's not a lot of yeah. that listen to anything that exists yeah. <laughs> i mean there are obviously there are nazis but you know like yeah. fuck that guy no exactly hmm. from what's um, even even his non-nazi the fact that the rocket is kind of yeah never mind I, I, okay. you know somebody yeah. would have done it anyway I mean, yeah. fucking Russia managed it. Some there are other people in the world who could have done it. Anyway, let's move. On. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We we well, could have figured it out. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You just kind of put us on the fast track. We um, didn't need that motherfucker. Yeah. Okay. But, Sorry. but Darcy, if we didn't get him, <laughs> how would we have? How would we have dropped those unnecessary nukes when the war was almost already over? Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> how, how would Oppenheimer become death to destroy our worlds? Oh, oh man. Okay. <laughs> All right, now I'm making myself feel bad. I think we have to stop. <laughs> okay, well. I exited that a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> don't go lord over the fact that you're smarter than the rest of us, Carrie. <laughs> no, I was thinking these are some smart motherfuckers talking about people that I don't ever talk about. <laughs> um. So I, now that we're reaching the end here, um, we uh, um, we'll talk about our favorite panels, or if you guys have any, or favorite moments in the book. I, I have mine ready, but uh, I'll let you guys go first if you guys are ready. You didn't prepare us for this, so I can't. Uh, go ahead, I'll, Carrie. Uh, let me think. I'll go. Um, it is when 
Grim goes to uh, help Ben. Uh, you know, he goes back with the necklace that's supposed to tie him to Strummer. And um, Ben's like, oh, you know, Grim, you're in charge or, you know, you, you know where these guys are. And Ben goes to go into um, his closet to get a weapon. And Grim, it's just the panel of Grim looking and then he picks the bat. Mm-hmm. And then Ben questions the choice and he's like, wait, you're the boss. So you know, <laughs> I follow your lead. I love that because I love, I would, I think Grim was a fucking awesome dog. And honestly, I had never heard of that lore before. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. I don't like the idea of burying a dog alive, a live dog though, but sad. um, yeah. I do love the fact that Grim was such a fucking badass and so loyal and loving. Mm-hmm. Very, very dog-like. Very cool. So, so Richard, how about I you? can't say it's my favorite panel, but the one that stuck out to me the most was with uh, uh Black Shot Galatea. Because I was just oh, like, fuck. it was yeah. so jarring. And yeah. I was just like, after I read it and I understood, you know, understood the page, I was just like, no, you could have just told me that. You didn't yeah. have to shoot that her wasn't in the necessary. Face. Yeah. It was it, so gratuitous. If you had any question, you know, at that moment, whether or not this guy was a good guy, that that Also, the dick. person that you're talking yeah. to, you both know that that person's a werewolf. So, like, I, I'm sure if you just tell her stuff, she can suspend disbelief. Like, she's not right. like, that's yeah. impossible. I don't believe in fantasy shit. (laughs) I go to vampire bars. (laughs) Right, right. Like it, it it felt so unnecessary and gratuitous, and then and then it's just like, oh no, 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 but she's fine. She's beautiful again. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and that's the reason why at the end when he needs help, both Asterin and her and Galatia are like, eh, we'll 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 get there. (laughs) We'll we'll help in a few minutes here. Um, Yeah, but. How about Darcy? Are you ready or do you want me to go? I think the one would be, it's not just like, I think it was like two panels, but it would be kind of the same uh, scene or setting that uh, Richard's talking about at Black's house uh, where uh, Ben and the Minotaur are sitting outside the house and they're talking about their dads and Mm -hmm. uh, how they both have like, you know, absentee father for the win kind of thing. Yeah, that yeah, and then they do, they do the fist bump. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that part was really cool. Uh, that that was definitely one of my favorite parts as well. Um, I I like the end. Um, the second or maybe the third to last page. Uh, where they're re- they're starting up the um, the detective agency again, and there's people in line to talk to them, and mm. one of them is Aster reading a comic or reading a magazine. I think very nonchalant, even though everyone's staring at a giant bull man, you know, like, <laughs> and even, and even um, the, the girlfriend of Strummer um, comes in and it's like, oh, there's a guy cosplaying as a minotaur out there. And they're like, no, nope, that's not cosplay, <laughs> you know, so I thought that. And that he's like, kind of he's the minotaur. The minotaur. Yeah. Which, which, that's common misconception. Like, just like the Pegasus thing, you know, like there's one Pegasus, there's one minotaur, and that's hysterious, you know, it's like, you know, like I understand wanting to use multiples of the characters because it's kind of cool. Pegasus is, is a cool idea and so is a Minotaur. But yeah, in mythology, there was only one of those each. So I, 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 that, made me, that made my my geeky Greek mythology heart happy. <laughs> you know, so just like in Hades, the, the video game, you only have one Minotaur and, and you get to fight them uh, multiple times. If you know that game, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I do. Yes. So, uh, all right. Well, uh, that 
is it for now. Then I guess for our thoughts about uh, blacksmith. Wow, Brian went somewhere. I don't know where he went there for a second. But uh, do you guys have any last comments or anything else? Not even uh, things that are, are related to the Richard just sent the picture of the uh, of the shirt that. Uh, oh, that's been terrible. there for a little while, my yeah. friend. Oh, oh yeah, no, no, no! I sent another one. Oh, another one. Oh, you did? Oh, you sent another one. Before. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, so we might have to put this on Twitter. The, the pictures of of the shirt no that good. Richard was talking about. Not okay. I remember this shirt. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what I was gonna say about the book is that also it has a black female lead, and it's just yeah, it doesn't come up because you know what. Your leads could be anybody. Doesn't have to be a straight white guy all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, the, the, only, the and, only thing was is that the Nazis didn't like her, and that's that right, was right. The only, that's the only way it comes yeah. up. But like, it it, it it's so um, it's so just matter of fact and unremarkably done that it's just like, oh yeah, cool. Like, yeah, because anyone could be the the lead of this book. Because mm -hmm. Nazis don't like lots of people. Yeah. <laughs> also that exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or more aptly, they only like a very specific type of people. Right. <laughs> yeah. A very tiny Their scope is so narrow. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, how about either of you? Uh, any, anything else? Nope. I think I've said everything. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, then I guess I'll get to the end here. Oh, we, we have to put these shirts on. <laughs> I'll, put them on, I'll put them on instagram as well i mean that's these are these are amazing uh, okay so we've reached the end of the show uh thank you everyone for listening to this show and email us any questions or comments at uh, comments are better at gmail.com uh instagram twitter and good pods at cdb pod website comments are better wordpress.com uh, you can request subjects for a future show also um there's the episode list where you can control f and find the find out if, whether or not we've talked about a book in the past uh, of our now 69 episodes. Happy 69 nice. episode anniversary. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but don't forget to follow, rate, tell a friend about us. Um, Darcy, where can we find you on the internet? I am at books underscore serial on Twitter and booksandserial.wordpress.com. Um, I'm probably not going to be doing anything because I'm tattooed this weekend and nice. tattoo oh, nice. competition. I'm being entered, I think, in the competition. Ooh. We're having we're having a convention. So, oh, so are, are are you being tattooed upon, or will you be doing a tattoo? Uh, upon i am not that talented but thank you for giving me that that uh, allowance i appreciate it. <laughs> are, are you bringing yeah, no, a picture it's... of one of these shirts for the tattoo <laughs> oh god <laughs> no. Okay, no no no, no, no. Good, good. yeah no i'm getting i'm doing uh our half sleeve on my left arm <laughs> and so uh they do daily competitions of different um you know different uh genres it's not genres categories categories of tattoo and uh my sleeve fits a category that they are doing that day so she is entering me in cool she's like would you do the competition i was like if you want me to i don't care nice. it's your tattoo awesome. i mean it's my tattoo but it's also her tattoo yeah. so it's i figure if it's going to be uh competitive she'll do a better job 
That's true. <laughs> and, you know, like, I'm sure she does a great job every time, but if, if there's he does one a time, great job, yes. You know, he guaranteed but yes, yes, yes. When you, when you got your back against the wall like that, exactly, it's, it's going to be her time to shine. Exactly. Or, or, or maybe she just crumbles under pressure and you get the worst tattoo. Oh, no. Could also be it. <laughs> no, no, it, it'll it'll be great. I'm sure it will. Yeah, no, she does. She does fantastic work. I've got oh, a hairpin, an Akatsuki no Yona hairpin on my. Uh, oh, that's calf, who did whatever that one? this is. Yeah. Oh, cool. And uh, so she's the one doing my my arm. So I I have faith in her. Nice. Cool. Um, Richard, where can we find you on the internet? Um, I'm uh, at Topcat360 everywhere. I haven't been on the internet much because all the news is bad. So anything yes. I'm going to interact with is you know kind of bad so i just mm-hmm. kind of took a mental health break when all scrolling is doom scrolling that's when it's, it's, it's <laughs> so um and karen do you have a um i do you do oh, okay. so um instead of giving out my social media i am trying to do a non-prof every week so um this one is kind of near and dear to my heart it's called endthebacklog.org. It is a website that you can donate to, volunteer for, or just tweet about um, about testing all of the backlogged rape kits throughout the U.S. Um, I don't know if people are aware, but uh, a lot of the times law enforcement doesn't give a shit about sexual assault victims or um people who have had rape kits done and a lot of the times they will literally sit in evidence rooms and not be tested. Um, The excuse normally is that there's not enough funding to test all the kits. I don't necessarily think that's truthful. I think a lot of the times that sexual assault victims um, are seen as lesser than if they're people of color, if they're sex workers, if, you know, whatever, whatever the excuses are, that happens a lot. So um, in the backlog is actually a subdivision of the Joyful Heart Foundation. If the Joyful Heart Foundation uh, sounds familiar to anybody, it's actually, it was a, it's a nonprofit created by Mariska Hardigay, most uh, famous for her role as Olivia Benson on a Law and Order uh, Special Victims Unit. And um, I'm not necessarily a fan of that show only because uh, as someone who has dealt with sexual assault, uh, the subject of like rape and incest and all that stuff really bothers me. And um, sometimes I think it's a little gratuitous for gratuitous sake, so I don't watch it. But um, I think the fact that uh, Miss Hardigay has like taken her character to like real life in a way and advocates for uh, sexual sexual assault survivors um, is pretty awesome. So, and the backlog is just, it's in every state, but it always needs help. And again, if you cannot physically, or I guess not physically, but like monetarily donate, please go on the website endthebacklog.org, learn about it, tweet about it. Um, you can actually email. They have like those pre-filled um, emails that you can send your Congress people and like your senators and stuff to try to like always ask for funding from the government to always advocate for it. So I think it's pretty good. And uh, it's something again, that's just kind of special. So I think that it's important to let people know that that's an still a very viable very real thing that happens is that rape kits don't get tested a lot of the times there's still currently over 16,000 uh rape kits in California alone 
that are just chilling on shelves that are not getting tested. So I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but if you think about it, that 16,000 people who were sexually assaulted that don't get any kind of justice and who then went through the trauma of getting a rape kit done, thinking that justice was going to be served at some point. So, you know, just to put it into, into perspective. And mm-hmm. rape kits are horribly re-traumatizing. Yes, absolutely. For what I hear. I mean, I'm not going to go on a full rant, but this is this is the type of shit that like really irks me about just people's uh, glorification of the police because it's just like you're not doing this. This is the thing that you're not doing. <laughs> this it is just the job. So simple and easy. This is the job to protect people, and yeah. this is what's sitting on the shelf not getting done. And it's like I'm. I know that there's. I'm not even going to say. Oh, I'm sure. No, I know for a fact that there's good cops out there. But like, it's kind of like throw the whole infrastructure in the trash where it's like something like 16,000 rape kits can just go unattended like that. Like mm-hmm. it's absurd. And I mean, and we li- California is a pretty progressive state that has funding for it and people advocate for it here. I can't imagine what the numbers are for a state like Mississippi, where it's, you know, where already the auto- autonomy of women it like is already like under fire i can't imagine Mm -hmm. what happens to sexual assault you know victims and their rape kits if if they're even offered a rape kit you know i mean i don't know i don't i won't pretend to know what happens but i just feel like there's probably some states that are even less uh less forthcoming with uh advocacy than a state like california And I just feel like I understand that in life, everyone's making compromises like at work. And I just feel like there's certain things there has to be a line or a floor. And yeah, this is one of those things that you can't compromise on. All this needs to get done. There shouldn't be we shouldn't be advocating for funding for this to get done. This is the job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, their job is to close cases. And if and the one of the easiest ways to close cases is to have like DNA evidence, (laughs) you know, I mean, I mean, like a rape kit like you basically go through like a gynecological exam Mm -hmm. as close to the actual assault as possible because that's when like the dna is freshest so darcy's absolutely right in saying that it's like re-traumatizing the person because you you already have this horribly traumatic thing happen to you you have to verbally describe which believe me is the most disgusting most it makes you feel filthy having to tell usually a male cop about what just happened to you seeing their look of skepticism on their faces multiple times can't change your words at all they record you they want you to tell them everything it's disgusting it's totally humiliating and then on top of that you have to go to the hospital and you have usually like sometimes there's like a nurse there I'm sure there's other people there but like just think about going through like another traumatic thing now with an even bigger audience and like you have, and it's just like, they, there's pictures, there's speculums, there's vials. It's just, it's humiliation after humiliation. And then to find out that like, you're, you went through all of that bullshit to not even have it get tested. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. fuck that. Yeah. So yeah, and the backlog.org, if you're so inclined to visit the website. 
Please do. We'll have that in the notes as well. I know that for a fact because I am everyone. So I will have the notes. I have finals this week. So Brian's going to be a, so a friend. If, if this episode is terrible, it's my fault. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the Comics Deserve Better podcast. And remember, everyone deserves comics and comics do deserve better. I said that backwards. But you, you know did. what I mean. We reverse that, and you get to have a good evening. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Bye. Good night. Bye.